Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 9th, 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's lots of audios for free download there and I go through some of the history of the big system you're born into, into its roots, into the organizations that got together a long time ago to plan a world order, not any old world order for peace and happiness and so on, but for, for themselves, really, the world was all wrong, people made their own decisions, it was all untidy at the bottom, and these guys decided that through scientific means and hiring scientists and creating sciences, really pseudosciences, they convinced the public to give up all their rights so they could take the world over and they would run us up properly. And that's what you're going through today with the carbon taxes, the greening agendas and so on, you're being run properly. At least you've been, you've been taught that, that's how it's going. And you can. It's just amazing, too, how much you can do if you have complete control of the education across the whole planet and everyone gets the same indoctrinations and they'll they'll believe everything they're told naturally because there's no alternative uh, uh, education out there to give them any other sides of any any of the questions whatsoever. Remember, two, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can keep me going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and donating as well, hopefully. And um, from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders. And you can send cash or use PayPal across the world. You've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And as I say, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com to find out how to do it. Remember, two, those uh, on the com site, you'll see other sites listed. These are the, uh, all the official sites I have. And um, they all carry audios for downloads. If you're, if, sticky, if you're sticking on one on the comm site downloading, there's too many folk going in at one. Try another site there, uh, and you'll find that you may get a clearer download. And also, uh, you can get transcripts as well in English and all those sites listed there on the comm site for print up. If you go into Alan Sentient, Sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. But what a world we go through is as the world churns along with your stomach these days as we go through the big transformations. And that's what they call it. This is a century of change, remember, where the big boys at the top will, will, will are realizing their goals, their long uh, goals to, to bring in this new world order where it's all tidy and government runs everything and government agencies and bureaucracies run every part and facet of your life. It, it's so tidy now, you see. And it'll get tidier as we go along and we get into the big cities and we won't have many decisions to make because you see the state will be making all your decisions for you so here we are as I say just astonishing because I'm actually quoting people here as, as I speak who talked about this in the 30, in the 70s and 60s uh, and uh, uh, who were involved in creating this system and actually said that the public won't need to reign free and wild with their own original thoughts their own ability to think as they said, because the state will be making all their decisions for them. And that was from Charles Galton Darwin's book, uh, The Next Million Years. So, 
here we are. And most folk, mind you, this is, this is the easiest takeover that's ever been done. Because as I say, we've all had the same indoctrination. And with the children that are coming up today, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect indoctrination of God. Because even all the entertainment is, is, is also geared towards bolstering up the same indoctrination of education. So that that's the only view of, of the world that they'll have is exactly what their masters want them to have. And they don't mind it because it seems to be fun to them, you see. And they also, remember children too see things uh, in, in black and white. There's no gray area. And uh, all you do is, is point out the bad things. Show them lots of nasty pictures of clear-cutting uh, forests, which they don't do in Canada and places like that anymore. But, but uh, who's to know, eh? If that's all you see, you'll really believe it. And the parents are to blame for letting it all happen. Yeah. Well, they're all ready for it, you see. Back with more after this. folks, I'm Alan Watt, and a while ago I, I came up with uh, the terrible story of, of what happened to a woman who had her child taken from her by the DCFS and, uh, of Utah, and uh, I went through the, the trials and tribulations that she'd gone through, amazing too, the tenacity of, of sticking with it and not just simply giving up, because it's a rigged system, the court system, especially this kind of court system in Utah to do with children. But uh, there's an article out now by Brandon Turberville from uh, the Activist Post, and he he goes through the updates of what's been happening. I also know what's been happening because he's been he's been sending me updates and so on. But it says here, uh, in short, when Katerina was conveniently served with a protective order by her ex-husband shortly after his own bankruptcy proceeding, uh, her son was immediately taken for her by the DCFS agents and armed armed police. Armed police, eh? take your child away. Yet after repeated interviews and investigations by psychologists, sex abuse investigators, and other DCFS agents, it was determined there was absolutely no evidence that Katerina had abused her son. Soon after her son was returned to her, however, Katerina was served with yet another protective order by her ex-husband, this time with the help of rogue guardian ad litem Amber Ruder, the infamous Amber Ruder, because she's really made a lot of people's lives hell. Once again, after the filing of the second protective order, Katerina's son was forcibly removed from her, with police literally taking the child out of her arms. The process of interviews and investigations thus begun anew, and again Katerina was exonerated. Yet after being ordered to organize and facilitate the family therapy sessions, guardian ad litem Amber Ruder has flatly refused to obey the judge's orders, telling Katerina that she cannot and will not do this for you, even though the judge ordered it. Ruder subsequently claimed that Katerina's son may not be returned to her at all because the two have been separated for such a long time and might traumatize the child to return home. This is in regards to a child who, in the opinion of the child psychologist who interviewed him, showed signs of being coached by other adults in what to say to the therapist in order to implicate his mother in misconduct in the first place. Ever since the second protective order, Katerina has been fighting an uphill fight in what seems like a never-ending legal battle. And it's true, you go through all these pre-trials, pre-trials hundreds of pre-trials, they call them. But when there's a pre-trial, let's go on with the, the whole thing and get out in the open. But they don't do it that way. The whole idea is to make parents just give up and become broke, of course. 
Anyway, where she was forced to represent herself despite having very little time and money at her disposal. In addition, Katerina is having to contend with a guardian ad litem who is not only being uncooperative, but is actively sabotaging and opposing Katerina's efforts to be reunited with her son. Between the behaviour of Ruder and Katerina's ex-husband's legal team led by attorney Jerry Renier, Katerina has had to endure such underhanded tactics as court-issued documents being sent to her previous attorney office instead of to her as she's now representing her. So, now, the notice, in other words, uh, you see this, you can send them to other addresses, and this, you, you say, well, I didn't get it. Well, it's, the, the court thing will go on in, in your absence, and you don't even know what's happened. So they're, they're trying to all kind of dirty tricks here. It says, you can hear Katrina discuss this aspect of her legal situation with me, yes, on what, uh, on June 25th, 2012, and the link is here for to, to hear it. But here's what's happened. At the time in the last article dealing with this case, and after a great deal of resistance by Ruder and Katrina's ex-husband, Katrina was finally able to attend a therapy session, one therapy session with her son, a meeting which scarcely could have gone better, according to Juliva, particularly under the circumstances. Unfortunately, much of the Amber Ruder-related saga has continued in the months following the second update that was released about Katerina and her case. Not satisfied with the outcome of the DCFS investigations, as it were determined that there was no evidence for any abuse, Ruder requested a third interview session with DCFS in an environment more conducive for her purposes, but was rightfully denied by the judge. Very soon, however, a third anonymous claim of abuse was conveniently made against Katerina and the interview and investigation process began all over again for a third time. Once again, Springville Police Department Detective Jeff Ellsworth was tasked with investigating Katerina's case. As before, Ellsworth concluded there was no evidence for abuse. Indeed, he clearly stated as much in his incident report when he wrote, I've investigated this matter before, and information that was brought forward does not provide enough evidence to support sexual abuse. This case will remain inactive. Likewise, Emma Drews, the DCFS worker assigned to the case regarding the third accusation, stated that the interview that she conducted did not disclose anything new and there was not enough evidence to support the claims of sexual abuse. After watching the interview, Detective Ellsworth determined that the alleged incident being being dealt with was actually the same incident he'd investigated much earlier and had decided there was no evidence of child abuse. So even when they clear you of it, they go back to the original charge and go around again in a circle. Essentially, the third accusation of child abuse was a type of accusational derivative, meaning that the third accusation was itself based on the first and second accusations, which themselves were found to be illegitimate and baseless. This on September the 7th, 2012, the third investigation was closed due to unsupported evidence. Do you understand the money it's costing the courts to and the taxpayers for all this kind of stuff? This is one case, you know. All the while, however, Catherine's attempts to supervise therapy with her son were flagrantly derailed in direct violation of the court order by her ex-husband, who Catherine claims was acting on the advice of Amber Ruder. Furthermore, as a report written by Dr. Gail Stringham makes clear, both the ex-husband and the child were told by Amber Ruder that the child didn't have to see his mum if he didn't want to. Of course, Ruder has zero authority to make this decision because the therapy was court-ordered. So it was ordered by the court, but Ruder says, no, we're not ringing him. Ruder's function is guardian ad litem, not judge or jury. As a result, Katerina's son, who was ecstatic at seeing his mother at the first and only therapy session, was not present at the second therapy session due to the something that came up, as his claim, preventing the ex-husband from attending the court-ordered therapy and obstinately declining to accept any rescheduling by Dr. Stringham until at least a week later. 
After this long delay between therapy sessions, Katerina's son began acting mysteriously hesitant about seeing his mother and even contradicting himself about claims made against Katerina's new husband around the same time the first allegations were made against Katerina. And it says, furthermore, Stringham's assessment regarding the possibility of the child having been coached in the second therapy session is comparable to her suspicions earlier in the year uh, after the initial protective order had been filed. And and, uh, in a letter to the court, Stringham has written, it says, his responses during the second visitations as a son raises serious concerns regarding him receiving adult influence. Although it would not be unusual for a child who is reconciling with a parent under similar circumstances to be again guarded at the beginning of another contact, a number of his comments, both during uh, one-on-one disclosure to me and during the time with his mother, did not sound uh, the typical language of a child of his age. It also appears from his response to receiving the video that he had spoken with someone about her plan to bring the present. Anyway, I'll put this up tonight. And you'll see how this is going. But I, I think too, and this is true, this is although Katarina's motion to the court to have the GEL Amber Ruder removed from her case was, was, was initially denied. However, Gal Ruder is no longer the guardian ad litem of Katarina's case. In fact, perhaps due to the public pressure as a result of the coverage from the alternative media and the subsequent protests and contact from readers and listeners all across the spectrum, uh, GEL Amber Ruder is no longer guardian ad litem in any capacity on any of her former cases. Ruder has been effectively removed from her position as guardian ad litem. In Katarina's, in Katarina's case, um, Gal Ruder has been replaced by her supervisor, who is John Moody. Actually, a lot, I know a lot of people phoned in the supervisor to complain about this, this uh, Ruder because she's a nutcase, yeah, an absolute nutcase that's not following any law except her own. She thinks she's God. And I know for a fact she's, she's upset an awful lot of other people too by grabbing their children and doing a lot of dirty tricks as well. So I'll put this whole article up tonight to let you know how it's going. But it shows you how they can grab your child. And this is happening all across, not just in the U.S., but everywhere now. This is a new United Nations prerogative to do all this stuff. Big money involved, of course, for the court systems. They love it. And the taxpayer funds it all. And people get broke in the process of trying to get their children back. But uh, it just goes on and on and on with these 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 uh, pre-trials, pre-trials, pre-trials. And after you've cleared the third or fourth one, they go back to the first charge, even though you've already been cleared of them. These are the games that these legal so-called experts play that they can go on forever. But I'll put the whole thing up tonight at cuttingthroughthematics.com for those who've been following it so they can read and see what's happened in the meantime. It's happening to so many people, so many people. And the same tricks and tricks and tricks. Remember I've said before that everything to do with dramas or movies to do with the system, which is law, uh, hospitals and doctors and courts and lawyers, is all propaganda, as, as Jacks E. Lowell said. And it truly is. You don't realize you've all been indoctrinated with propaganda to give you a completely fake vision of how it really is. In the legal profession, like other professions, is utterly ruthless. The whole point is to get as much cash as they can. And especially when they get it from the public purse, believe me, they'll drag it on for years if need be. And, um, not to give the, the not, not to get any justice done and to be, um, impartial on anything. Uh, they, they simply want to, to, actually too, these, these children's aid societies and so on, they cannot, if they lose one case, you understand that there'll be a whole flood 
of other cases coming against them if it's found that they, they lose one case because of misconduct and lying and constant lying and obstructing justice. So, so obviously they don't want to ever give up. They just keep it going forever and ever. That's the real system we live in. And that's all across the board. Now, I've also talked about, uh, as I say, what's happening in Britain with the real uh, sexual abuse <laughs> that's been going on for years, pretty well in the open, actually. Uh, Jimmy Savile, and uh, and then it's led to Prince Charles, it's led to a whole bunch of people, and even Cameron's coming out and made a gaffe, a few gaffes, actually, because he said that uh, we shouldn't have a witch hunt. He was referring to what he called gay people, being attacked or whatever, even though no one had talked about gay people in the sexual abuse pedophile cases. So it was a bit of a gaffe, it, uh, a Freudian slip, you might call it, because there's so many of them still in the, not in the closet, but in the cabinet in the Parliament in Britain. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, we're cutting through the matrix, talking about Jimmy Savile, which just is a scrape off the iceberg, basically, uh, of what happens in Britain. The country's gone, understand, the whole culture is utterly debased with all this stuff. I've been not just taught in schools and then growing up, but the incredible culture industry. You understand you do have a culture industry. They decide by taking the pulse of the public and all your tweets and everything else just how far debauched you are, and you're ready for even further debauchery, and that's how it really, really works. I'm not kidding about that. That is the plan, folks. And it's working awfully, awfully well. But, I mean, Jimmy Savile was a, a pair of his whole darn life, and uh, they knew it in the BBC before they hired him on. And it, you understand how many folk must have covered up for him for many, many years. Real important people, too, uh, to even get the cops off his back. He's been interviewed by the police before. Uh, because they, they wondered if he had a relationship with this Yorkshire Ripper that was a mass murderer. Uh, because the, 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 even after the Yorkshire Ripper was caught, Savile became his pal in the prison. He went to visit him in prison and said a lot in common with him, obviously. But uh, the, the cover-up is incredible, and they must, as I say, clam down on the story or take it off in a different spin. I noticed even the Guardian have taken things off in a different spin to do one of the, the top aides that Cameron had. He was charged with having gross indecency downloaded on his Internet through uh, child porn stuff. And uh, they threw that out because he's an awfully good lawyer. I didn't, again, they didn't want to open up a can of worms to do with Parliament and all the rest of it. So they cleared the guy. But he also put things up his willy, for goodness sake. You know, stuff like that and odd, odd kind of stuff. But anyway, these are the guys who run the country. And you can imagine all the other kinky stuff that they're into. But uh, it doesn't really bother most folk today. I think, as I say, so, everyone's so degraded by everything they've adapted to with the changes, adaptation, 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 until anything goes. You can't get them outraged anymore. You know, nobody's safe anymore. But it says that the deranged uh, Jimmy uh, Savile called for his pal, the, the Yorkshire Ripper, the mass murderer, to be allowed sex inside the prison that he was in, uh, incarcerated in. 
And it says, uh, Savile reckoned Peter Sutcliffe and other patients in the secure hospital should be allowed to mix freely to stop any gay urges. What's a gay urge? Is it a happy urge or something? I mean, homosexual urges, I guess. It says, Jim, uh, Jim will fix it. Uh, Peter Fowl said, all guys together or, or all girls together isn't very healthy, he says. We have to, uh, we've got to give our patients some reason to want to rehabilitate. These are people who are in there for, <laughs> you know, like mass murder. <laughs> And falling in love is one of the strongest, he says. Well, he's never known what that meant. He also said killers should be treated with compassion. You know, the folk who love to slaughter folk and watch them die when they were doing odd things to them at the same time, we should have compassion on them. This is where it's all going, by the way. Even the Guardian, as I said, they had a kind of compassionate write-up about, uh, about the guy, as I see, who got off with it at the top, that big uh, lawyer. And... Um, uh, and so, and then it says, well, what is indecency nowadays anyway? This is with the whole spiel of the argument. Remember, they want to do away with the consensual age of children altogether, as I've been talking about here. Anyway, Savile spoke of allowing patients to mix weeks uh, after being appointed head of Broadmoor Task Force. Can you imagine putting a pair of like Savile in charge of uh, uh, the head of a, a special prison task force? And Jimmy Savile, it says, um, he'd seen a government report warning that, that in prisons, uh, this is the suppression of heterosexual activity has created a situation where homosexuality is publicly tolerated. His job was to improve conditions for staff and patients, and he was given a gold-plated set of keys as a reward for 20 years of volunteering there. He gets these keys in all these hospitals, too, and the children's homes, this, this beautiful. Savile set himself up in a three-room den where he's feared to have molested an unknown number of vulnerable patients. He called it his, his cell and even posed for a photo on its double bed, he says. The DJ and broadcaster boasted about leaving his door unlocked and said people can wander in whenever they want. I bet the patients across the way have a good laugh because they've they got bigger rooms than me, he says. In another interview, he insisted, we have patients here, not inmates, because this place is a hospital and not a nick, I mean a prison. If they're bad, they they don't come here. They go to the prison. A true psychopath enjoys uh, what he's doing, and we don't, he says, have anyone like that here. With killers, the first thing you need to do is show compassion. These are, let's say, mass murderers. And do you understand, even with these statements that he made years ago, Everyone left him alone. What does it tell you about the, the hierarchy? Sattler admitted, uh, he says, I know some people must be going potty thinking they're out of their minds giving uh, that aging disc jockey a bleeding number one hospital, but they don't bother me. I know the hospital at the back of my hand. There are some people who regard me as a bad smell, but uh, it's uh, very disarming when I wander around in a tracksuit and a brown uh, porter coat. You can't feel threatened by someone like that, he says. This is the guy who molested all kinds of children. Elsewhere. Eh? So you're really looking at a sick society, and I won't even carry on with it because I really do know 
because I've, I've got whole lists of the, the, the recent horror movies I've been coming out over the years and things like that, and how bad it is now, and people are lapping this, the, the S&M stuff up. There's no point in trying to use exhortations to get through to people. It doesn't work anymore. It's true that like Bertrand Russell, the big master manipulator of the present culture living in, said, he says you can do more with a brass band than you can do with, with facts and exhortations. It's true. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I am back, cutting through the matrix. And last night, I put up a whole list of uh, politicians in Britain, and a lot from the Labour Party too, and Labour appointed uh, councillors for different areas and towns and so on. It's a strange system in Britain where they actually appoint uh, the political uh, characters uh, in, in positions of power, even in local councils and townships. But anyway, I put that list up t- last night, and this article here kind of touches on some of it. It says, David Cameron just doesn't get it. The police and the ju- judiciary are part of the UK abuse problem. And... Um, this is a full public inquiry and special commission must happen now. Well, that won't happen in a hurry, that one, if at all. But it says, as the rippling waves emanating from the cesspool that's Jimmy Savile uh, legacy break on the shores of the British establishment, it's become increasingly clear how the establishment is attempting once again to protect its own, it says. In response to both to Tom Watson's questioning in the House of Commons and the fabulous impromptu exposure by Philip Schofield, uh, an event surely to set some legendary in, legendary in television history, British Prime Minister David Cameron's singular response is that anyone with any evidence should go to the police, regardless of how powerful the accused may be. Is Cameron aware that multiple victims in the North Wales inquiry names the same high-ranking Tory politician in at least one case? The police deemed their testimony many as fantasy. So if you go and complain, they say it's fantasy. For a Prime Minister, it's a breathtakingly, though probably deliberate, naive approach. It feels like a government's greasy denial that paedophiles are operating in positions of power. North Wales abuse victim Steve Mesham testified that his life was threatened by his abuser, which is a common uh, intimidation tactic seen in many abuse cases. Death rates uh, change the playing field considerably. And it says, is Cameron confused or just waiting to pass the buck on? So where exactly is David Cameron suggesting survivors take their evidence? The serving police officers referred to by some of the abuse, uh, of those abused at the hellish Bryn Eston in North Wales? Or is the Prime Minister proposing just walking into your local cop shop? If you can still find one, of course, given the aggressive programming of police station closures now being implemented by Cameron's government and saying, hey, I was raped by so-and-so 20 years ago. Sensitive matters such as child rape require sensitive solutions, and Cameron's response is not only inadequate, it's simultaneously ignorant, insulting, and ludicrous. Lest anyone has missed it, serving police officers and members of the judiciary are amongst those named by Brian Eston, victims. It's increasingly clear that the original inquiry was a cover-up, and let us not forget the Masonic connection, it says here. 
The Waterhouse Tribunal set the tone for its approach to Freemasonry right from day one. This is this is this actually happened in Britain. This this came up in court. This is in the very first session that the barrister or lawyer for one of the groups of former residents of care homes made an application about masonry. The barrister, who was called Nick Booth, asked that the tribunal inquiry should keep a register of the Masonic membership amongst its staff, the members, its representatives and witnesses who appear before it, and then he explained the duty of loyalty to a brother Mason and his duty of impartiality if he's involved in the administration of justice is not a new one, and it's, and it's one that's very much in the public eye, particularly at the moment. So you're supposed to stand up for a brother Mason no matter what he's, he's charged with. The tribunal will be aware of the House of Commons Home Affairs Select Committee, which is investigating the issue, he added. Sir, I stress, if I've not stressed it before, that I'm not making any suggestion of disreputable conduct, merely to put the matter beyond the reach of any uh, possible public comment which might undermine the public confidence in inquiry. Anyway, the chairman of the tribunal, Sir Ronald Waterhouse, and the two other members of the tribunal retired for a brief adjournment, and he turned the request down that they wouldn't uh, 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 take a list of all, all the witnesses and so on uh, for the defence and so on that were masons. So he said that the tribunal's own counsel, Gerald Elias QC, was appointed by the attorney general, and any criticism should be addressed through the usual parliamentary channels. He suggested, I guess that means uh, the Knights Templars that are higher up there. Gerald Elias said nothing during Booth's application and remained silent after Sir Ronald had made the tribunal's ruling, it says here. Yes, yet both Sir Ronald and Gerald Ellis, Elias knew something that the journalists reporting on the tribunal would have wanted to know, because Gerald, uh, Gerald Gerard Elias is a mason. He's a member of perhaps the most powerful Masonic lodge in Wales called Dennis Landaff. The lodge which meets in Cardiff is made up mainly of legal professionals and members of the Conservative Party, although there are members from other political groups. This in and of itself is not a problem, but there is a problem if fellow members have an oath of loyalty to each other which supersedes their oath to uphold law and conduct due diligence in any proper investigation into organized crime. And it goes on uh, a few other things too about Masonic interference and so on. Uh, but uh, that's how the system really is. And I've, I've uh, put up uh, some videos I've found on the, on the net to do with inquiries into <laughs> incredible criminal, like not just allegations, but findings in the Masonic lodges across England and right into the Met Office with the police too. Old stuff too and, and, and new stuff, but it's, that's the real system we live in. Everything's a gang today. You've got to belong to a gang to get anything done. And then you have this big EU-Soviet system, as I say, because so, we're right on path with the, the New World Order. I, I, I used to have people who took me on as guests and shows, and they'd say, you know, you're kind of despondent and kind of gloomy about the future, and they're all, they're all happy. And, you know. I says, well, it's because I know more than you do, and that's the truth. I knew exactly what was going on because I've watched this my whole life, you know. And uh, they're right on track with everything that they wanted to to, to happen. The, the whole world is on track for, for this big, big plan. Anyway, this Rompuy character, this little damp rag, as it's been called by some other European Parliament members, and really is a little pen pusher. I mean, he's, he's got the, the personality of a damp squib, even, a firecracker, you know. 
It says separatism is a word of the past and the European Council president deals a blow to Salmond. This is the guy in charge of Scotland, supposedly semi in charge of it. Independence campaign in a video. So Herman von Rompuy was asked on YouTube about Scottish nationalism. He told a man from Edinburgh that the world must fight the financial crises together. So this great financial crisis, we're all in it together. It's right on Monty Python's Brazil, isn't it? But anyway, von Rompuy would chair discussions over independent Scotland joining the EU. I mean, how can you be independent and then go under this totalitarian Soviet system called the EU? It's not, It's ridiculous. Scottish nationalists were dealt uh, a blow after a little-seen video emerged uh, of the European Council president saying separatism is a word of the past and nobody has anything to gain from it. So uh, forget it, in other words, he's telling you. Uh, Herman von, von Rompuy, 65, who would chair discussions over whether an independent Scotland could join the European Union, was asked about his views on separatism. He told a man from Edinburgh called Keith on YouTube that the world must join together to combat the global financial crisis and climate change, <laughs> that other great con, and that we will only succeed if we can pool forces, meaning all your tax money. So I'll put that tonight too, and there's your answer from these totalitarian freaks. That uh, you can't, and this is the same guy who said that your countries are over with. There's, there are no nations before in previous articles I've read. So uh, why would he change his mind about Scotland? And the thing is, too, no one knows anything about this Rompuy. I mean, what was his history before all this stuff? Who put him in charge of all this? Because the people didn't elect him. The ordinary folk don't get to elect anybody. So, I mean, what's his history, this character? Now, in the States, of course, they're really rampaging ahead with all the big um, totalitarian stuff. Uh, and it says, 12-year-old girl is forced to take a drug test to join the scrapbook club. Scrapbooks, you yeah. know. So it says, here you go, folks. The latest the drug war hysteria. 12-year-old girl wants to join the scrapbook club at her middle school in Milford, Pennsylvania. She can, it seems, on the condition that she pass a drug test. Uh, one day she took home a permission slip that said that to participate in the club or any school sport, she would have to consent to drug testing. They were asking a 12-year-old to pee in a cup, Kathy uh, Kiederer said. I've got a problem with that. They're violating her right to privacy over scrapbooking and sports. The New York Times reports, it says that the Kiederers, whose two, two daughters are now in high school, are plaintiffs in a lawsuit against the Delaware Valley School District with the daughters identified only by their first initials, A&M. Uh, the parents said that mandatory drug testing was unnecessary and infringed on their daughters' rights. A lawyer for the school district declined to comment, citing the pending litigation. It's difficult to gauge how many middle school uh, schools conduct drug tests on students. States with middle schools that conduct drug tests include Florida, Alabama, Missouri, West Virginia, Arkansas, Ohio, New Jersey, and Texas. So anyway, there you go. I mean, they've already trained them to go through all these metal detectors and everything else at school and, and fingerprint to get your food. Uh, and and so on, and now you're going to drug test. You see, this is this is the what you do in a prison. You understand? It's what you do when you go to jail. And they're training a whole society, starting with the very young, so they'll grow up thinking all of this living in jail is normal stuff, and obeying your superiors. That's all it's about. And what can you say? The parents today are so degraded they can't even get together and fight anything. That's a fact, folks. Otherwise, we would never have got to this mess in the first place.
Intergenerational warfare has been carried on. Intergenerational warfare. Step by step, Fabian style. Degrade one bunch, further degrade the next generation, then further degrade the next one. Then everyone's helpless and government's in total charge. The U.S. Air Force is spending $10 million on an effort to hack into opponents' computer networks to destroy, deny, degrade, disrupt, deceive, uh, corrupt, or usurp their ability to use the Internet to their advantage. The ability to hack into networks is part of a list of the military's cyberspace warfare operations capabilities that it wishes to acquire reports wired. They've actually got it already. And they have, you know, burned the hard drives and different folk that I know <laughs> on their computers. Instead of giving the ability to conduct cyber strikes solely to the White House, the Air Force wants its Trojans and worms to be available to its own officials, including top personnel and operational commanders. Last week, the Pentagon announced a new $110 million program to make cyber strikes a more routine effort in wartime military operations. You understand, too, they're at war with you, too. I hope you understand that. Plan X, as the Pentagon named it, will officially begin September 20th, but DARPA has already invested $600,000 to cybersecurity firm Invinci to begin its research immediately. So it's, well, what can you say? It's all there. And I'll, tonight, too, I'll put up an article. It's to do with a, an interview with Assad of Syria who talked about having to, he was born and he'll live and die in Syria. He's not going to run off, he claims here. And he says that we are the last stronghold of secularism and stability in the region and coexistence, let's say. It will have a domino effect that will affect the world from the Atlantic to the Pacific. And you know the implication on the rest of the world, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad told RT in an exclusive interview that will air Friday, November the 9th. That's today. He says, I'm not a puppet. I was not made by the West to go to the West or to any other country. He said, I'm a Syrian, made Syria, and I'll live in, in Syria and die in Syria. He says, Syria's been racked by internal violence for the past 20 months, with the government and opposition failing to reach an agreement on a ceasefire. Foreign nations are pressuring the Syrian president to step down, with some even calling for armed intervention in the war-torn country. Well, actually, we're, we're paying for them to go into the war-torn country and fight. The West is at least... So I don't think the West is going to intervene, but if they do so, nobody can tell what's next, said Assad. I think the price of this foreign invasion, if it happened, is going to be more than the whole world can afford. According to a Turkish official, Ankara's official requested that NATO deploy Patriot missiles along the border with Syria over fears that armed conflict could spill across the border. The armed conflict in Syria has turned increasingly violent in recent months. Rebel forces have received significant financial, diplomatic and organizational support and arms, I should say, too, because it's been the mainstream, like the U.S. and Western allied nations such as Turkey, Qatar and Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, this is ongoing warfare. The same list, as I say, that the New American Century, uh, the project for New American Century group put out back in the 90s. Every country on that list has to get taken down, you see. Everything is just a, a script, you're, you're, and it's all running to schedule. In Australia, brainwashed police come forward, basically say, brainwashed police prosecute parents to protect vaccines. They don't know they're doing it, because cops are told that if they find what they think is shaken baby syndrome, and the parents have obviously done it. But for the last 15, 20 years or so, there's been a lot of uh, evidence and even documentaries put out 
showing you that a lot of these shots can actually call, cause these minute hemorrhaging in the brain that folks are being putting down to shaken baby syndrome. And so this cop anyway, uh, who again, like everybody else, sees with blinkers on, his doctors do as well, according to the indoctrination, he, he himself uh, got a hep B vaccine as part of the squad, they all had to get the hep B vaccine, then he, he came down totally exhausted, like chronic fatigue syndrome. He spent the next two weeks in bed, hardly able to stand up. And then when he asked a mainstream medical practitioner if the vaccine could have caused his symptoms, he was given a categorical no and told his suspicion it would be impossible to prove. Despite being reassured by the medical practitioner, Savage remains convinced to this day that the vaccine was responsible for his becoming so ill. His experience opened his eyes to a deeper evil still occurring, which he believes will rock many other parents. And so they go through the facts that so many parents now are getting charged with sudden infant death, uh, the shaken baby syndrome and so on, and it's actually the vaccines that are causing it, and so he's got his own crusade going, trying to, to, to educate the rest of the police there to this. Good for him. Also in Australia, uh, the senior policeman whose allegations have sparked a special commission of acquiring the claims of a police cover-up of church sex abuse in New South Wales says he's not yet convinced it will be powerful enough to bring about justice. They're really pushing there to, to try and find out about the paedophilia that's going on inside the church. And um, this particular guy, the top cop, is not convinced that they'll get full cooperation, even though I've got another article here that says that the, the church is going to hand out a list of their own files on, on these pervs that uh, uh, seem to be totally infiltrated into the church itself. And also tonight I'll put up the, the, the Global Governance Monitor from the Council on Foreign Relations. It says that the challenge of global governance for those who say that it doesn't have such a thing, has never been more imperative and more daunting to realize the headlines are filled with transnational challenges from terrorism to climate change. Everything institutionalized the words. The first thing to do with psychological warfare is to create the terminology, make the people use the terminology by institutionalizing it into everything that you write about. So they have terrorism and climate change to weapons of mass destruction to foster better understanding of modern global challenges and international communities record. What is the international community? Did you get to vote on being part of the international community, folks? No, of course you didn't. In response to them, the International Institutions and Global Governance, that's the IISGG program, has launched the Global Governance Monitor it, the guide's nine components assess the human rights, non-proliferation, finance, ocean governance, climate change, etc., etc. Everything they're running transnationally. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we are back cutting through the matrix and we'll go to the call. This is Clint from Ontario on the line. Are you there, Clint? Yes, I am, Alan. Thanks go ahead. for uh, taking my call. Yep. Um, I don't know if you've seen Alan or not, uh, Agenda 21 commercial that's on YouTube. It's, uh, promoting youth in Asia. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it. It's, uh, it's got a bunch of ed- elderly people and it's, they're all saying that I've lived a good life. I've lived a good life, and, and it's, it's very warm and, and, and inviting, and, and it shows children, and they say they want to benefit the earth for the future of the children. And 
Mm-hmm. And it's pretty interesting. If you get a chance, I know your bandwidth is uh, hard for you to download videos, but it's yeah. very quick and uh, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just want people, like your listeners, know already, we need to contact this place, org, and people need to find out who the representatives are in their area, and they need to start asking questions because this uh, Agenda 21 is going to go full bloom, I think, pretty soon. Don't you agree, Al? Oh, it's, it's, it's way beyond. It's already there. I mean, you understand when the public even get a whiff of what's happening. Uh, I always say it's like it's like a, a coming out of a manhole in the middle of a field. Yeah, by the time you look back to see what's behind you, you hear a rustle. It's already run over you, and it's going off in the far distance. Uh, that's it's already a done deal. I've got thousands of articles. All related to Agenda 21 over the years I've collected. It's all institutionalized once again between all the international uh, corporations across the planet uh, into your architecture, your building for the future uh, cities and so on. It's it's everywhere. And uh, there's a big push on right now for the big carbon taxes and new governmental agencies to come and inspect your homes, etc. And and then actually tell you how to live. I'm not kidding you. I mean, to tell you how to live. Can I just quickly read? Uh, I'll just quickly read a paragraph here from the Agenda 21 book from the summit in Brazil. Yeah. And it just says there quickly, Agenda 21 is first and foremost a document of hope adopted at the Earth Summit in Brazil by nations representing over 90% of Earth's population. It is the principal global plan to confront and overcome the economic and ecological problems of the late 20th century. It provides a comprehensive blueprint for humanity used to forge its way into the next century by proceeding more gently upon Earth. As its sweeping programs are implemented worldwide, it will eventually impact on every human activity on our planet. Deep and dramatic changes in human society are proposed by this monumental historic agreement. Understanding those changes is essential to guide us into the future for our fragile planet. Yeah. Who would have wrote that, Alan? <laughs> Maybe well, I actually... Write that or something? <laughs> that's right. If you went to the IBM website. They, they're one of the biggest players in all of this because they've got the, the job of coordinating worldwide all of these uh, various groups and changes and uh, all through uh, all corporations and businesses and everything. Agenda, the complete Agenda 21 through smart growth. It's another little term they use for the same agenda. It's called smart growth and smart cities. And along with the smart cities, you're going to have many more layers of bureaucracy uh, and agencies to come round to your house and to check you. And, and, and right down to political correctness to do with it too. If a child comes out and says they don't believe in this, they're going to, I'm not kidding you, they're going to take that child off you. And the whole kit and caboodle, it, it's, it's all on the table. But yet IBM, when they have their, their, their meetings, sometimes two, three times a year, Every major corporation that's any kind of corporation has to attend it because they've been given the job of of directing and guiding the whole darn thing worldwide, including... IBM IBM's tied to eugenics as well, back to Nazi Germany, aren't they? Oh, even before that, so the founders of IBM were involved in, in trying to do the same thing in the States too. They wanted everyone numbered back in the early 1920s. Everybody across the whole U.S., even when they brought the, the, the FBI in, they wanted everyone across the U.S. to be, have special numbers and codes so that everyone could be tracked back then. <laughs> so they met for a long time. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.